0: Even though he says he doesn't, um, he doesn't tell them very well, I think he does a pretty good job. Don't we appreciate Pastor? Yes, we can. He's really great. And, you know, he and Deborah work so hard. And I just appreciate them today. Yes. So a couple of weeks ago, he asked if I would be willing to speak today. And I said, okay. And then started thinking about, you know, what it was that I felt like I needed to talk about. And this thing kept coming up, and I was like, I don't really want to talk about that. Yeah. And, then, and it kept coming up, and I was like, well, gee, I guess I get to talk about that. Um, and the th- I want to talk about prayer today. And the thing is, I don't, I don't always feel qualified to talk about something like prayer, because if you're like me, you feel like I've, I've made some progress, but I'm not really where I need to be and prayer is something that is so central to our lives as christians and yet a lot of people feel that they they're not praying very effective prayers and i you know i'm always looking to learn more when this idea came up that i would talk about prayer today i started looking at what i had been reading and in addition to the book that i talked about earlier I've been reading a couple books about prayer and I've also been uh, listening to some of Miss Debbie's messages off of um, River Church site. And if you ever want to get to those, if you just go to riverchurchalabama.org, it calls up a place. And up on the, like on the left, it has Billings Ministries. And if you click on that, it will take you to a place where you can actually listen to her messages. And so I've been slowly working my way through it because... That's one of the issues with me in in prayer. It's like it's hard sometimes to fit it into a day. And so I find myself, you know, doing a little bit in the morning and maybe doing a little bit in the evening or the afternoon. And, you know, and when I'm in the car, I I pray in the Spirit. I, I try to fit it in. But as far as just having, you know, a solid hour or two to do prayer, that's very challenging for me. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons it was like I was... Oh, wow, I get to talk about prayer. Awesome. But God gave me something to share with you that I hope helps with you. Um, And I'm going to actually talk about four important steps in prayer today. And they're not things that I had ever really put together before, so I appreciate Holy Spirit helping me. But I'm going to start with something a little different. I think most of the people in here know that I'm a professor of communication. And when people many generations before me, started looking at the communication process. They thought it was really simple. They said, well, you know, you got a sender who has a message and you have a receiver. Simple, right? You got a message, it goes to the receiver. But over the years, we've discovered it's not really that simple because the person might have a message or a company or an organization, but the receiver doesn't even always get the message. You know, you might be a company that has um, an advertisement that you air on television. And so you get people who are sitting in front of the TV. Those people might not even see your ad. They might be gone to the refrigerator to get another snack. They could be texting on their phone and not watching. They could, you know, be flipping around through the channels. There's, There's these things that we call noise that interrupt the ability of the receiver to actually get the message. So sometimes the receiver also doesn't exactly um, interpret the way that the sender meant for the message to be. It's like that old game where you play telephone or or somebody sent a message around the room, little, little kids. And by the time it gets to the last person, it's nothing like what it started out, right? Somewhere along the way, it got a little corrupted. And so I think in some ways this applies to prayer. And I'm going to try to figure a way to express that to you today. But I think most people want to pray accurately, but they're not really aware of God's promises in the Bible. And they're not really aware of the steps that they need to take to get to the point where they can pray effectively. So that's what I want to talk about today. So the very first step is so simple. And that is believing this is true. I mean, that is step one, right? Because if you don't believe that it's true, how could you believe that Jesus died for you? How could you believe that you're saved? There are so many things. It's like you have to believe the Bible is true. Foundational. If you don't believe the Bible is true, why are you praying? Right? It is, that is foundational. Believing Um, means accepting that this is true. Step one. Okay, step two is actually becoming convinced. And being convinced can be, um, can be defined as being absolutely certain to be firm in your belief. What I'm talking about is being convinced that it's not only true but that it applies to you. You can't skip that step in prayer. You have to believe that it's not only true, but that it actually applies to you. So you have to have a conviction about it to believe that Jesus died for you. You can believe the Bible is true and not believe that it applies to you. It's like there are a lot of people who are in other religions and they're like, yeah, well, you know, the Bible might be true, but, you know, it doesn't apply to me. They haven't made that connection that if you believe and then you're convinced about it, it can actually apply to your life. But that's also foundational when we go to prayer. So we start at belief and we go to conviction. Um, Let's go to... 1 John 5. We're going to be coming back to this one a little bit later, but I wanted to start with this one. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. So we start with belief that the Bible is true, and then we go to being convinced that it actually applies to us. In 1 John 14, it says, This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that if He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from Him. In verse 14, in my version, it says, This is the confidence which we have before Him. So this confidence that we have, that this applies to us, it gives us confidence when we go stand before Him, right? Because the confidence which we have before Him, that He hears us. We can ask, and he hears. That's part of the confidence. That's the second step. You have to be confident that this applies to you. Because if you're not, you're not going to make it past the first step. Okay? So, but after you believe that the word is true, and you're convinced that what it says is true, and it applies to you, then you move on to what we call faith. Now, faith is really important. And we talk about faith a lot. But what is the difference between faith and being convinced? And I think it's really big. For instance, you can be convinced that God can heal people, but you don't think it applies to you. Right? You don't have the faith for it. You can be convinced that the Bible says that if we pray, we'll be healed. But you might not have the faith to say, yeah, that's mine. And so some people never move into the area of faith in different ways. Some people have faith, for instance, for healing, but they don't have faith for finances. Some people have uh, faith for finances, but they might not have a lot of faith that God's going to protect them and keep them safe. But faith is incredibly important. And one of the differences between being convinced and, and faith is that there's no... Tangible supporting evidence for faith, (laughs) you know, we live in a society where people want to feel they want to know things It's like okay. I want to be able to touch it. I want to be able to see it I want to be able to hear it faith is not like that is it? So um, If you look at third John 2 Which we all know probably by heart? It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So having faith that that is true requires a bit of a leap because it says, I wish above all things that you may prosper. Prosper not just in money, but prosper in all ways. To be... Um, Someone who is successful to have everything that you need to live in abundance. But be in health, even as your soul prospers. Basically, what, what Paul was saying here, or John, I'm sorry, was saying here is, God wants you to abound in every way. That is so hard for some people to accept. It is really difficult because some people feel like, well, I don't deserve that. You know, pastor talks about that all the time. It's like, well, I haven't done very good things. Maybe I'm, um, maybe I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a good person. I'm not sure that God has forgiven me. Well, that goes back to the other foundational things, right? You have to believe that Jesus died for you and that, You know, you, as Barry pointed out, you will never be separated from him, ever. But some people don't feel that way. And it keeps them from having faith in what they, in the promises that Jesus has given them. And they don't really find out who they are in in God. So, when we are trying to live up to what God has told us to do, a lot of times, he's, he's given us things, and we don't have that tangible way of knowing what they are and if they'll work. And it makes it really hard to take that step. For instance, tithing. You know, I didn't grow up tithing. I didn't even grow up in church. You know, My parents went to church for a little while, but then my younger brother, he was a real handful, and he would always embarrass my mom in church, and so we just quit going. And so I got saved at a revival at the high school football field because some friends took me. And I remember coming home, and I was so excited that I'd gotten saved. And my mom, who was not saved at that point, just looked at me and she said, well, how can you know it's real? And I thought, this is really not a good question to ask someone who just got saved. <laughs> you know, I don't really need to no, know. I don't need that. Later, she did get saved, and she's, she's all for Jesus now, which is awesome. But, um, yeah, making that leap even to say Jesus died for me and I believe it. Well, there's no tangible evidence of that, right? There's nothing. So when it comes to tithing... I had never tithed before I didn't even know it was in the Bible nobody told me that I just knew I'd been at churches before where they said you have to give it X amount of money every year or you know write down what you're gonna give and if you didn't give they would come to your house and try to get it (laughs) seriously (laughs) they did Um, so when it came to tithing there was nothing to say yeah well there are benefits from this and so you just kind of have to do it right there was no evidence to show that God's going to uh, honor it, but you know what? He does, and he pours it out. And now I can honestly say that I don't really miss that money. Other people look at it, and they would go, why do you do that? Why do you give that money? And it's like, it's okay. God gives it back. You know, God pours out more blessings than I can hold. That's what he promised me, and I believe that what he said is true. Right? I believe the Word. It's, it's my foundation. It's what I build on. Yeah. So, but, you know, there's... Sometimes, in order to have faith, you have to accept something without any evidence at all. And we do it in other areas of our lives. I, I just don't really understand why we sometimes hesitate to do it with God. Right. You know? When I get in the car, I assume I'm going to arrive where I'm going. Right. You know? I assume... That um, the roads are going to be clear. You know, you just get out and you go. You get in a plane. And you just assume everything's going to be fine. And for some people, that is a real leap of faith to get in the plane and not be nervous. I'm one of the weirdos who loves to fly. And so it's like we could be taxiing and we start taking off and I'm going, woohoo. You know, I'm excited about all these people are gripping like this. And it's like they don't understand flying with me is the safest place you can be. Because if I'm in a plane, it's going to stay in the air. Yeah. And when we land, I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's awesome to overcome the to overcome the rules of gravity for a while." I think it's cool. And you know, I just have faith for that. Um, and so we do it with things that are natural. We should be willing to do it with the things of God. So, um, but it's really hard for people, especially when you're talking about something really serious like illness or just a looming financial disaster, it's really hard to say, yeah, I'm gonna trust God with this because I can't see the outcome. But we have to do that. And the thing is, God likes faith. He is moved by faith. There are a lot of people who think he's moved by them saying, oh, Lord, I need this, please help me. That's not really gonna move him. And And they think it makes him look callous. But really, they just don't understand the word. Because if they were familiar with what the word says, they would understand faith is what moves him. Um, so let's go to, well, oh, actually, I'm going to do um, Hebrews. But I'm going to read out of the Passion. Because I like the way this one is worded. So it's uh, Hebrews eleven six. You know, Hebrews is one of my favorite chapters, but I have such trouble finding it sometimes in the Bible. It's like it hides. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. There we go. And this just speaks to how important faith is to God. It says that without faith, living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that He is real. And that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. So it is impossible to please him if we don't have faith. So if you are praying and you're just reciting the words from the Bible or the promises, but you don't have faith in them, do you think they'll be activated? It says we come to him in faith. If you don't have faith in what you're praying or what you're saying, then it's probably not going to happen. And that's a that's that's a really tough thing to say, especially to people who are putting all their faith in just maybe just confessions or just saying, well, the Bible says this, so that's that's going that's that that should happen. But you have to have faith in it yourself. Faith is what moves God. So keep that in mind. But once we have faith, oh yeah, once we have faith, you know what faith wants to basically spurs us to do to take action. Right Action. And you know, Pastor talks about this before. He says action is a place of power, and it is. But in order to get there, you have to believe the Bible is true, you have to be convinced that it applies to you. You have to have faith. But once you have the faith. And that faith builds in you. And and it said in the Bible, it says faith comes by hearing, right? Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by studying the word. Faith comes by looking over and over at those promises, at those scriptures. And then eventually that faith builds up in you to a point where you can take action. And action looks different for different people, right? Um, It can be prayer. You know, that you pray and, and you say this is happening in my life. I, I, you know, I'm standing on this word. It can be confessing something as done when it's not. You know, if you have a financial need and people know you have a financial need and you said, I've got that, praise God, that, that's, that's paid for. And everybody's going, really, did you get the money? It's paid for. <laughs> you know, Um, They're looking to say, do you have it right now? It's mine. Because God's word said so. And they're not going to understand that, but it doesn't matter because you know what? It's between you and God. I guess the older I get, the less I care what people think in some ways. You know, it's like, it used to be that I might have been embarrassed to go up and pray for someone or to tell them what I thought about scripture or, you know, God's provision for me. But now it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter because it's between me and God. It's not between me and you. And, you know, whatever you think of me doesn't matter because God loves me. And God provides for me. And God has promises. And God does what he says. So, therefore, it doesn't really matter if you think I'm crazy or not. (laughs) You know? I think you're crazy for not believing. So, yeah. Yeah. But confidence and you know and and faith leads to action and you know for some people that can be beginning to tithe for some people it might be going on a mission trip it could be picking up the phone and calling someone and you know saying I think I'm supposed to do this so action is really important because action is you acting on your faith and most of the time we don't have a foundation for acting on the faith it's just. I believe, I believe. So um, if you will go back to John 5:14, we've already talked about this one one time. Yeah, first John, sorry, First John 5:14. And this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything, aha, here's the action. If we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything, that's an action that's based in faith. Because if you didn't have faith, you wouldn't have that confidence to come before him that it talks about in in verse 14. And if you didn't have the confidence, you certainly wouldn't have the faith. So it's building. Do you see it? They're kind of like building blocks. They build on each other. We have belief the Bible is true. We're confident that it applies to us. We have faith that you know, what he says is mine. And then we take action. So it kind of builds on each other. I hope that makes sense. Okay. So I want to go through an example of someone who did this. So if you uh, well, I'm going to read "Out of the Passion," it's Mark 5:25 through 34. Oh, too far. It's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And we know that story really well. But I don't know that many of you have read it out of The Passion. Okay, so we know in this story we have Jairus who had asked Jesus to come and pray for his daughter who was dying. And in Jesus is making his way through, and then this woman comes up. And it says, Now in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better, but worse. And you know, just wait, stop there for a minute and think about how primitive their medical care must have been. And she had spent all of her money, and she wasn't getting any better. She was actually getting worse. When she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind and touched his prayer shawl. Now, this one is a little bit different. It talks about um, that what is translated as cloak in other versions um, is an outer garment. And it says that Jesus would have had over his shoulders a prayer shawl. The blue tassel on the corner of the prayer shawl was said to symbolize all the commandments and the promises of God. So she probably went up and touched that. That's what they're saying. For she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I would be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him. For the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. Now, that's a little different right there. The, prayer, the power that always surged around him. You know that prayer uh, power surges around us? It does. Is Holy Spirit inside us? Yes. Yes. Do we have healing power? Absolutely. Are we just like Jesus? Yes. Yes. So we have power surging around us. He turned and spoke to the crowd saying, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, What do you mean who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd, looking for the one who had touched him for his healing. When the woman who experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him, trembling with fear, and threw herself down at his feet, saying, I was the one who touched you. And she told him her story of what had just happened. And then Jesus said to her, Daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. Christ God. You're, Because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. Now, I want to talk about her for just a second. This woman, because of her disease, was very limited in how she could get out and about. You think she'd ever been to one of Jesus's um, speakings before? She wasn't allowed to. You know, she she'd never heard him talk. In order to know that Jesus was going about healing people, she had to get that from some other people. Because she didn't know it firsthand. And so she had to start at that foundation of believing that what he was doing was really happening. Right? And then she had to become convinced, well, if I touched him, you know what? If he, if he spoke over me, I would be healed. And then she had to get to the part where it was faith. It was like, he doesn't even have to speak to me. If I could just touch his clothing, I believe there is healing radiating around him, and it will heal me. She had to get to that point without anybody helping her. The woman did have faith. She really did. And not only that, she couldn't go out to wherever he was. She must have heard he was coming through near her where she was. And so she went outside. She acted on her faith. So, and he knew when she touched him. He felt the healing go out of him into her. So she exhibited all four of the steps that I talked about. But she didn't even have a Bible. She didn't have a word. She had to believe based on what she had heard. And it served her well. So, And you're like, yeah, okay, well, that's you know, the woman with the issue of blood. Everybody understands that. We know. She had a lot of faith. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about an example from my life, which is a lot more current. Sometimes we look at the things in the Bible and we think, yeah, but that's how it used to be. It's not like that now. And that's true. It's not. Um, Now we have the word, right? God has given us his promises. He has told us what's going to happen in the future. He has just laid it all out for us. Um, Somebody said, Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And I think that's probably accurate. There has been one time in my life, only one time, where I heard the audible voice of God. One time, um, Barry and I were dating. I was in grad school here in Alabama. I was going to a different church. I wasn't even going to this church yet. And we were having communion that evening. And I was praying and kind of getting ready to take communion. And I heard God say something to me. And I have never heard this voice before or since. And he said, I'm giving you Barry as a gift, and never doubt you will have a child. And I was so overcome. My whole body was just shaking. I mean, it was, when God speaks to you, you know it. Right. And it was like, okay, he's giving me Barry as a gift. Great, Barry and I were just dating. I just, just a pro tip here for you, When God tells you something like that, don't run out and tell the other person. (laughs) Because I think I freaked Barry out just a little bit there. (laughs) Sorry. Um, It did, he's a wonderful gift. God did give him to me. Um, And we ended up getting married two years later. Um, And so because we were both in graduate school, we sort of delayed starting a family. And so I got out and Barry was about to get out. And so we said, you know, maybe it's about time to have a kid. So, I um, ended up going to my doctor and hadn't, hadn't been able to get pregnant. And he said, in a nice, kind way, because Dr. Smith is like that, The other, this is my OB-GYN. He's a Dr. Smith also. He said, basically, well, you're a little older than most women who are trying to get pregnant. It, you might have to have a little help. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, because God told me, never doubt you will have a child. I didn't tell him that, though. I just said, oh, okay. <laughs> and so I went out, and as I was walking out the door, you know what I thought to myself? I next time I come back to see this doctor, I'll be pregnant. And so I had a booklet Barry's mom had invited me to a women's conference at a church in Jasper a few years before. And it had a whole bunch of pregnancy scriptures and and things for you. I got that book out, and I went through all of them. And I wrote down what the baby was going to be like, and it was going to be a great delivery. And uh, not quite a year and a half later, I went back to the doctor, and I was pregnant. And he was like, oh, okay. I didn't even tell him. You know, it wasn't worth it. But I stood on faith for that. Have I, and he said, never doubt. And I think he gave me that word because he knew That's right. what medical official establishment would tell me, basically. And so I stood on that. And I went through those scriptures. Um, so in Numbers 23, 19, it says, God cannot lie. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? He spoke to me. And it says right there, has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Now, did I have any tangible evidence that this was going to happen? No. There are a lot of women who never are able to conceive on their own. And praise God that we have a way for them to have medical help. And if I hadn't had that word, maybe that's the route I would have gone. But you know what? I had a word. He spoke to me. And he made it good. Praise God. And a couple of other verses that I used during that time. Psalm 9. He makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Psalm 127.3 Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So children are a reward. At times it doesn't feel that way when you're a parent, I will say. But you know what? They are always a reward. So we went back. That was in January that I saw the doctor and you know, Right on time. And a few months later, had a baby boy. Seven pounds. What? Fourteen ounces. Red hair. Perfect. Perfect. Everything perfect. And we named him Matthew because that means gift of God. And that's how he got the name. Because he really was... (coughs) Spoken to me by God before I even married Barry. I already knew I would have a child. And at about five o'clock this afternoon, he will turn 15. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful for him. And I am so grateful that God gave me something in addition to the word, He gave me an audible word because that really helped my faith. It really did. And I, th- I think that's very special. And that it really, in years since then, it's really dawned on me how much he loved me and how much he cared for me and how important it was to him that Matthew get here. Because if, if he hadn't given me that little extra push, <laughs> you know, so to speak, it would have been easy to, to say, well, maybe this is not gonna happen, you know, maybe you need to adopt or, or something. But no, no. It gave me confidence, it helped me to have faith, and it helped me to take that action and say, nope, not coming back. Next time I come back, I'll be pregnant. And we had a baby boy. So, yeah, so it's important to understand the steps that you go through in developing, getting to faith and action. But it's also really important to understand that there's there are a lot of things that God has promised us in the Bible and people aren't aware of them. He has a lot of promises, you know. I challenge you to go through just the New Testament and come up with all the different promises that he's given us because every book has promises and they're just, there are so many, but sometimes we still struggle with, well, okay, I want to reach this point. I want to pray in faith, but I just don't know if I'm praying according to God's will. And that is really important, right? I mean, we want to make sure that when we go and talk to God that we're praying according to his will. Well, one way to do that is to check out the promises. So, for instance, um, let's go to Philippians 4.19. This is amplified. If you don't have the amplified, then I'll just read it for you. Um, And we know this one. Everybody knows it by heart. This one is just a little bit different and amplified. It says, And my God will liberally supply, which means fill until full, your every need, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This speaks to provision, right? right. It says, He will liberally supply, fill until full, your every need, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we know that he has... Limitless Limitless supply We're the ones who put limits on it But if you have A financial need Are you I don't know you need um, You need food You need some basic necessity God has already said right here You can pray this And I will do it That's what That's what the promises are for it already tells you his will. You don't have to pray and say, well, God, if it's your will, I'd really like to have lunch today. No, it's God's will. You know, God, if it's your will, I, I really would like to, um, to go ahead and pay my rent this month. That's God's will. And instead of praying that way, you approach him confidently. Remember we talked about in um, 1 John, it says the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You go to him and you say, Thank you, Lord. I thank you. This bill is paid. It is paid in Jesus' name. Because you promised it to me. And that's a little bit of difference in going and approaching it that way than going in and saying, Well, Lord, if it's your will. He will respond to the faith and to his promise. Or let's say if you have um, a need in your body. Um, this is also an Amplified, 3 John 2. I don't know if that's up there. Okay, um, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers. So if you have you know, a health issue, you have some need in your body, it says that you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, as I know your soul prospers. So is it God's will for your body to be healthy? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we also can go to, this is amplified, 1 Peter 2.24. Everybody knows one version by heart. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, willingly offering himself on it as an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin becoming immune from the penalty and power of sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you who believe have been healed. Mm. By his wounds, you who believe have been healed. So if you don't have faith and you don't believe, that might not be accessible for you. But for those of us who believe... And for those of us who have faith, and those of us who understand that this is His will, can we pray for our healing? Absolutely. Can you pray for somebody else's healing? Yes, Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Okay, well, what if the person you're praying for doesn't actually believe? You can get them healed on your faith, right? It's the goodness of God that draws men to Him. It's his goodness. You get somebody healed, and they feel a difference in their bodies, you think they're going to they're gonna say, Oh, I like this. You know, tell me more. That's right. Tell me more. At the very least, you're going to sow a seed. And never underestimate the power of a seed. Praise God. So, and in Passion, the Passion Version, in that same 1 Peter 2.24, it says, Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. Instant healing. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't always get it instantly. I wish I did. We call those miracles usually. If you if you pray pray for healing and you're prayed, you're I'm sorry, you're healed immediately. We usually call that a miracle. But for a lot of us, we are healed, but it is, um, it's it's basically something that happens a little bit over time, right? It might not be full today, but it might be by the end of the week. Or it might be, you know, a little bit later. This is where sometimes our our patience has to come in. And you have to keep holding on to it. And say, yep, I have it. I have it. it, Doesn't matter that you can't see it. Doesn't matter that, you know, my body isn't completely healed yet. But I have it. Because God said that I did. And if I was healed then, I'm healed now. So And I believe, and I have been healed. So that's something that is like, you don't have to ask God if it's His will, because there it is. He's already told us. Um, and then in Psalm 512, do you ever go into a situation and you feel like, I just really need favor in this situation? Um, you know, maybe it's a legal thing, maybe... It's um, where you're looking for a job like, like Justin did. You're, you really need favor in a situation. Well, in Psalm 512, it says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as a shield. And it's like, am I the righteous? I'm the righteous. This means God's favor is surrounding me as a shield. This means every situation that I go into, I have favor. I have God's favor. You know? So I'm going to get rules interpreted in my favor. I'm going to have um, people make decisions that are in my favor. Yes. You know, even if I've done something dumb, God can turn it around <laughs> to be in my favor. He's done that for me multiple times. <laughs> And I appreciate that because, you know, he is a God of second and third chances. Maybe more than that in some situations. Yeah, one more time. Yeah, I got you know what? And the thing is, if you go and repent, he doesn't even remember the previous times you failed. This for him, this is all new, which is awesome. But, you know. He can take whatever is ten, intended for bad for you and He can turn it around. And He can turn it for your good. And so I love that idea that, that favor surrounds me as a shield. I sometimes think about that when I'm going in someplace and I'm going to ask people for like, you know, something special or ask them to do something for me. And it's like, I got this because God's favor is surrounding me. Yes, yes. So when you pray, you can pray that. And you know it's His will. Because it's in the Bible. Right? It's one of His promises. And you say, well, okay, that's great. But, you know, some of these situations that I have in my life, I don't don't see them in the Word. I don't really see a promise for that. And sometimes it happens. And when that happens, I try to lean into the Spirit for guidance. And... Sometimes I'm led to a particular verse in the Bible or maybe something that illustrates what I'm going through. And I use that as a guide. But a lot of times I don't. And so what I do is I just pray in tongues. And I just pray and I say, Lord, I'm just living up this situation and I just pray in tongues. And I keep praying in tongues until I feel like I have what I need to pray. Because there's so much going on when you pray in tongues. People don't really understand that. They say, oh, well, it's my private prayer language. Yes, it is. But you know what, it's so private that the devil can't even figure out what you're saying. And so it's really a way for you to pray out things that you don't understand, but they benefit you so much. They really can clear a path for you. And so, you know, I, I encourage you to pray in tongues more. Um, I feel like I tried to, I've tried to increase that a lot this year, but even at that, I I feel like I need to bump it up more. I I need to pray more because I'm praying out, as Pastor says, the mysteries, and it really does change my future. So, um, it allows you to make progress on an issue, even though you can't see it, you know, you can make progress when you're praying in tongues. You might not realize it, but you are. Let's try. So. So sometimes people feel like they're stuck in their prayer life. And I would say, go back to the four steps and see if there's somewhere along the way that maybe you got stuck there. That maybe you do, you absolutely believe the Word of God is true, you are convinced that it applies to you, but maybe you don't really have faith For this thing that you're praying for. That can get you stuck. So go back. And read the promises. Go back and work over it again. And again. Until you get that faith. And you can take the action. Because that will get you unstuck. So. um, I will say that I think. Being able to go to God in prayer. Is a real privilege. You know. You know. Just like the song that we sang, he is very powerful. Everything about him is love. Sometimes as a professor, we have students who have other religions, and it doesn't really seem to be a big part of their lives. And I think that's because they don't feel anything from that you know, whatever that they're worshiping. I feel God, I feel his love in me. He has given me promises that I believe are true. And he is, he's living in me in Holy Spirit. And I think that just really changes the way that we interact with him. Because prayer is a relationship. When you go to him, I mean, you are not just going with a list of I need this, I need this, I need this. Because honestly, he already knows you need it. He does want to see that you have faith in it. But he already knows that you need it. And many times these things are already provided for us. What he really wants is to have a relationship with us. And in order to have that relationship, you have to believe, you have to have faith. You have to be willing to stand out there and take action. And um, it's very powerful. I think it was Mark Hankins who said, never run at your giant with your mouth shut. Run at your giant with your mouth open. Tell him what's going to happen. Sort of like Beniah running after the lion that I talked about earlier. Run after him. Run after the promises. Run after the opportunities that God gives you. And this all happens in prayer. Prayer is sort of an exchange, right? Um, prayer is helping God get his way. Remember, God doesn't actually do things here. We do things here, right? We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouths. You know, Barry was talking about music earlier, and sometimes when I listen to modern Christian music, it, it grates on me because I feel like they're all saying, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, Jesus is not going to take the wheel. <laughs> You've got the wheel. That's right. You've got the wheel. You've got the promises. You have to have the faith. You have to take the action. Yes. So that's how it works. God. But if you say what God's already said, you will have it and it will happen. Yes. So, but I hope that that is of some use to people today. Um, It's just some things that I've been thinking about and and learning over the last few months. So I'll go ahead and, and pray here at the end. Father, we just thank you because coming to you and talking to you and hearing you is such a privilege. We just love you, Lord, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your promises. And we thank you, Lord, that we understand what you have said for us and what you've set up for us. And we just thank you for going before us and clearing a path. We thank you, Lord, that you are setting things up just as we need them when we need them. Because you are a good God. And we just pray, Father, that Christians would understand how to come to you. And that we would come to you with confidence Because we know that if we come with confidence, that you hear us and the things that we say and the things that we pray according to your promises, they're real. They happen. And we just thank you for it because you're so good. You are so powerful. And you love us so much. And we give you all the glory and the honor for it. Amen. 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 Amen.